Okay. Well, today we have not just one, not two, but three readings. So the first reading is Jeremiah 33. You can find this on page 797 in the Red Church Bibles. We have Bibles in other languages and versions available in the back, if that would be of help to you. So that's Jeremiah 33, starting at verse 14. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the good promise I made to the people of Israel and Judah. In those days and at that time, I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line. He will do what is just and right in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved. Jerusalem will live in safety. This is the name by which it will be called, the Lord our righteous saviour. For this is what the Lord says, David will never fail to have a man to sit on the throne of Israel, nor will the Levitical priests ever fail to have a man stand before me continually to offer burnt offerings, to burn grain offerings, and to present sacrifices. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. This is what the Lord says. If you can break my covenant with the day and my covenant with the night, so that day and light no longer come at their appointed times, then my covenant with David, my servant, and my covenant with the Levites, who are priests ministering before me, can be broken. And David will no longer have a descendant to reign on his throne. I will make the descendants of David my servant, and the Levites who minister before me as countless as the stars in the sky and as measureless as the sand on the seashore. Our second reading is from Zechariah chapter 6. So if you turn on around 150 pages, you'll get to page 953. Now we're looking at Zechariah chapter 6. Zechariah chapter 6, starting at verse 9. The word of the Lord came to me. Take silver and gold from the exiles Heldai, Tobijah, and Jedediah, who have arrived from Babylon. Go the same day to the house of Josiah, son of Zephaniah. Take the silver and gold and make a crown, and set it on the head of the high priest, Joshua son of Jehozadak. Tell him this is what the Lord Almighty says. Here is the man whose name is the branch, and he will branch out from his place and build the temple of the Lord. It is he who will build the temple of the Lord, and he will be clothed with majesty and will sit and rule on his throne, and he will be a priest on his throne." There will be harmony between the two. Our third reading is from the New Testament, the letter to the Hebrews. You can find this on page 1208. So that's Hebrews chapter 10. So Hebrews 10, starting at verse 11. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But 
when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's good to be with you. We're going to take a look at that uh, reading, or those, those series of readings that we um, have. Looking in this series, of, as we are at the, the promise of a king and the kind of king that the Old Testament uh, looked at, and so we will, we're going to thread those three readings together as we go through this morning. So we'll sort of skim across them a bit like uh, skimming stones on a pool, if you have ever done that. And um, this week, in fact, this weekend, I think you can read it today in the Times, there is a really interesting article, column, um, about, um, well, about, <laughs> about reality TV shows and one reality TV show in particular happening on the other side of the world at the moment, where um, some individuals, some celebrities have gone and and she's writing about it, just reflecting on the way in which they seem to have gone there looking for redemption of some kind. Uh, they've gone looking for some sort of way back from whatever it is. It's a really interesting article. There's a few of them talking about uh, their experience of, of going to, on this reality TV show, hoping to somehow make amends or win people over. Um, and not just one, a few that are there. Uh, and she writes this really interesting thing, because she doesn't think it works, and I, I, I agree with her article. It's, um, she, she, she writes this and says, and uses these words. She says that there are, it seems as though there are people who are there who are seeking atonement uh, from the wrong people in the wrong way. Now, atonement means to be made right. Um, and she's really, it's really insightful. They've gone somehow in the world that we are now. What do you do if you need to make up for things? or you need to put something right, you go on a reality TV show, and you try and do it that way. And she says, it doesn't seem to work. And somehow you're, you're trying to make atonement, and you're seeking from, uh, from, from the wrong people in the wrong way. Now, I've, I've no idea, and I, assume, I don't think she's a Christian, but I think she's put her finger on something that's really quite deep for lots of us. And something that's right, because in one sense, that's what they may well be doing, because in all of us, there is this very deep need to be made right, and to be at right with the world, others, and perhaps even your sense of God. And it's really interesting that that's what she's picked up on, um, and the, the reason, in, in, it's where we're going this morning, and reflecting on um, this idea of a priest, uh, and a king who would also be a priest, and we'll come and we'll look at that. But that, that sense of, I want to just, our own, our own need to be at right with the world, with God, if we have a sense of who God is, uh, whether that's our sense of sin or shame, whatever it might be, it's really, it's quite, it's, it's very insightful. You can look it up later if you want to. We have this in this series then been thinking about the promises that the Old Testament had made about a king and what kind of king that would be. And we thought a little bit last week about the king as a son of David, as an unstoppable king, if you like. No one was ever going to dethrone this king, this son of David. Now, we're sort of moving 400 years on in time, and the passages that we've got, Jeremiah and Zechariah, they are, they are slightly, they're like bookends almost, the start and end of the period of exile 
for God's people. So we've moved on in time, and it's the, really the lowest of the low. If you don't know too much about the history of God's people, it's the kind of low point where they will be thrown out of the land, where they are going to be, uh, you know, everything, everything that they've built and worked up to and, and has gone well for them just sort of unravels and, and falls apart. And just at the beginning of that, when Jeremiah writes, he's saying that this is what's going to happen to you. Exile is coming. Disaster is coming. And Zechariah, just at the end of that period, about 100 years later or so, um, when he's writing and says, well, they're just coming out of exile and everything does look bad and disastrous and, and it has been. They've experienced that. They're very humbled and low by that point. So taking these two, the first thing that we're going to see in that is that a king and a priest are both roles that have been really important to God's people and still are, both when Jeremiah and Zechariah are both writing. So two, two jobs, and they're really two jobs, the, the king and the priest, that have been there really from the earliest times of God's people's history. From the earliest days, in outline or in some form or other, there has been a king on the way or a king in place or a priest. Um, uh, and so this is what, um, when we get to Jeremiah and that first reading, let me read again some of those verses. And it's talking about God's commitment to both of those things. So for this is what the Lord says, David will never fail to have a man to sit on the throne of Israel, nor the Levitical priests ever fail to have a man to stand before me, continually to offer burnt offerings, to burn grain offerings, and to present sacrifices. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, this is what the Lord says, if you can break my covenant with the day and my covenant with the night, so that day and night no longer come at their appointed time, then, then my covenant with David, my servants, and my covenant with the Levites, who are priests ministering before me, then it can be broken, and David will no longer have a descendant to reign on his throne. Uh, I will make the descendants of David, my servant, and the Levites who minister before me as countless as the stars in the sky and as measureless as the sand on the seashore, sea which, which is right back to a promise given to Abraham. So two jobs, a king and a priest. And they've been there for the earliest time. And right before they're about to face disaster of exile, God says, I'm still committed to the king and the priest. Two jobs. And I wonder if you notice that they've, got, they, they've kind of got different aspects to them. Now, why did you need both of these things? You need a king. A king was there to lead, to govern, uh, and, and to protect you. The priest was there to make you right on the inside to make you right with God. And both of those roles are really important. And you might have noticed that both of them have slightly different um, job descriptions, if you like. Um, so in that, uh, the king, well, the king, do you notice the king sits down? So here you go. Um, uh, imagine a throne. It's not quite a throne, but we'll imagine it. Um, the king sits down. Why does the king sit down? Well, this is the seat of authority, if you like. This is the seat from which you uh, issued... Uh, rulings, uh, decrees, you gave wise counsel, you protected your people. You sat, you gave rulings, you said, this is what we need to do. This is how you protected your people. Um, that was the king. So the king sat down. The priest, you know the priest's job was to stand. The priest stood. Now, why, why was the priest standing up? Well, the priest is standing up because it's an active full-time day job. If you're a priest in those days, and you're in the temple, so you imagine the palace with the seat, the throne, throne room. The priest was in the temple, and it's a busy, full-time job. You clock in at uh, nine in the morning, um, whenever you start, and people start arriving, 
And they're there because they're going to need to sacrifice, make sacrifices. As God has explained, it's a whole sort of uh, rubric for the kinds of things you did for different uh, times uh, and, and were appropriate at different points. Uh, so you're there. Um, there's a lot of animals involved um, or produce. So you've got to imagine it's more like being a butcher come farmer. Uh, you're there. The uh, people come. Somebody comes and says, look, I, I'm, I'm hoping to, to give this sacrifice. Yep, great. Okay, so you need to be able to sort the animals out. Uh, you need to know what to do with them. Uh, you need to know how they need to be uh, killed. You need to know uh, the appropriate way in which they're then burnt or offered. Um, there's a bit of cleanup afterwards. You've probably got an apron to cover you. Uh, you sort that out. The people go on their way. They're pleased. The sacrifice has been offered. You need to do the clearing up. You sort out where some of the meat is going to go, if it's going to be consumed, where it's going to go, if it's not, all those kind of things. And then the next person comes in. I'd like to offer a sacrifice, please. Sure, come in. Let me help you. We'll do that. You're going to be standing there all day as people come in, one after the other. We'd like to offer a sacrifice, please. Yes, sure. What kinds? Uh, you're looking at a bird. No, you're looking at an animal. Okay, so we're, we're going to do that. It's a busy job. You are on your feet the whole day. You clock in at nine. You finish at five. You've been on your feet, or whatever the hours were. Who knows? Why? Why? Well, there was no end, and there is no end to human sin, is there? It's not as though you get through... I will get through the autumn and then all the sin will be done with. We're going to do that for a while. Actually, no. It's a day-in, day-out job. Human sin is ongoing. Human sin needs to be atoned for. Our guilt, our shame, the people were to come at the right times. They would bring, and there would be this flow of people, day-in, day-out, and you would come, and the sacrifices would be made and offered. And if that was what you were as a priest, you were standing there, um, you were doing that. Now, what, I guess what makes this all the more remarkable in this point is that the people are facing this disaster. They're facing exile. And imagine you went to a war-torn country somewhere in the world now, and you stood there and you saw the rubble and the ruin that was, uh, was there, and you said, don't worry, there, there will always be good governments here and there will always be an excellent civil service and, or whatever it might be. Don't worry about that. People would look at you with raised eyebrows. And God's people were about to face that kind of disaster and exile. The palace would be destroyed, the temple would lie in ruins, and it was like God saying, I'm committed to my king and my priest. And in Zechariah, when we come the other side of exile, so 70-year exile, so just a little bit uh, beyond that, you imagine you've been humbled for 70, 100 years, and everything does lie in ruins. So when God says something similar and says, I'm committed to my king and my priest. You may well have raised your eyebrows again, but that's what he says. So make a crown, he says, and set it on the head of the high priest. Here is the man whose name is the branch, and he will branch out from his place and build the temple of the Lord. Now, the language of branch, that's uh, the language of this idea that a line would still come from the son of David. Uh, the line would still be there. It would branch out. It would regrow. And it is he who will build the temple of the Lord, and he will be clothed with majesty and will sit and rule on his throne, and he will be a priest on his throne, and there will be harmony between the two. And God is saying, on the other side of exile, when everyone is feeling low and humbled, I'm still committed to this priest and this king. And yet the strange thing is, it's also a little bit blurry. Lord, what, what exactly are you talking about? I don't know if you noticed that it's blurry, because actually he's talking about a priest who yet is going to rule on his throne. And, and a, a priest who is clothed like a king and sits on a throne. And I think if you were there at the time, you would have gone, mm, what are you getting at, God? You're sort of conflating these two, and I don't quite know. Are you still committed to a priest or a king? What is it? 
And that is what he says that they will need. I'm still committed to both of those, but the, the sketch is just, a, it's, it's intriguing. And in many ways, it's just as remarkable, given everything that's happened, given the exile, given their sense of loss, that God says, they will still be there, because mostly you probably would have said, there's no hope, unless anyone's got a multi-billion pound rebuilding program for us. A priest and a king. That brings us then, as we go on in time, another 500 years to the arrival of Jesus and the letter to the Hebrews. And the letter to the Hebrews, as you might know, focuses particularly on Jesus as a priest. Jesus as one who comes to us as a priest. Let me read some of these um, verses uh, for us. Um, So uh, Hebrews 10, uh, verse 11. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest, he's talking about Jesus, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, and since that time he awaits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. So Jesus tells us that, uh, Hebrews tells us that Jesus has come along and he is also a priest. We thought last week that he would be a son of David, a line of the kings, a king you couldn't stop and was coming. And now he's also, says the New Testament, a priest. Now, why is he a priest? He's a priest because he offers a sacrifice, because that's what priests do. They stood in the temple and they offered sacrifices, but Jesus comes to the temple and he offers himself as a sacrifice. Um, I was thinking about, um, have you ever been to an auction? I've never actually been to an auction. Um, I think you probably, I assume it's quite exciting. I don't have enough money to go to auctions. But um, uh, you might have seen them on, in the movies, that sort of thing. And you know in auctions, yeah, at least in the movie ones, um, you start the bidding and people bid and they, they start and they sort of raise their little things and you, you, you know, 50 pounds, yes, 55 pounds, yes, 60 pounds, yes, 65 pounds. And these little increments go up and people are bidding and finding uh, 70 pounds, 75 pounds. And then somebody comes along and says, a million pounds. And everyone goes, oh, well, that's, that's done then, isn't it? <laughs> no one's going to trump that now. Uh, there's nothing better than that. We can all go up in little increments, but actually, a million pounds, we're done. And that is like Jesus' sacrifice. When Jesus comes, he says, I am the, I am the, I am the son of God. I am God come in human form, and I offer myself for you as one sacrifice, which beats all other sacrifices. You can go up in increments of five pounds here and there, but he says, I come and offer myself, God himself in human form, and on the cross dies as a sacrifice for us. And so the writer of the Hebrews is saying, look, he's a king who is a priest. Now, why would that be important, and why is that so important for us as we think about this? Well, because of this. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices. That's the nine-to-five job. That's the, the people are coming in, like they're coming into the supermarkets one after the other, and you've got to get, you get through them, and the conveyor belt goes, and you work, and you, and, but they can never take away sins. They were God's plan and provision for how to deal with sin, but they could never ultimately absolve sins. That's why you had to keep coming back and doing them time and time again. But when this priest, Jesus, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Now, can you see what it is that Jesus does here? 
when he's offered himself as a sacrifice, what does he do? He sits down. Why does he sit down? Because nobody needs to offer any more sacrifices anymore. It's done. It's finished. Job is over. No one needs to clock in at nine anymore. No one needs to clock out at five. The sacrifices are finished. Who else sits down? The king does. So now in Jesus, you have a priest on the throne. You have the one who has come and has made a sacrifice that ends all sacrifices and sits down and rules in authority. Isn't that remarkable? And from that, the priest and the king that God was committed to, the priest who is a king, comes, I think, the two things that we need, which we kind of, I hinted at at the beginning. I think there are two things that we need really at quite a deep level as human beings. We need somebody who is going to protect us, look out for us uh, on the outside. You need somebody who's got your back and is looking out for your enemies. God's people needed that from the earliest days. I think we all need that. You need somebody who's, who's looking out for you and says, look, I care about your life and where it goes, and I care about what happens to you. And that's the king. You also need somebody who says, I care about what is going on on the inside for you. I know that you need to be right with God. I know that actually what you carry around inside, that you may, people may see you on the outside and think you're doing fine, but actually what you carry on the inside is the, is the real stuff. And whether you feel that sense of shame or guilt, whether you sense, am I right with God or not, somebody needs to sort that for you. And that is the priest. And God says, you're going to need a king and you're going to need a priest. And my son is coming and he is both. And he offers you both of those things. And it means for us that if we're somebody who comes along, and maybe some of us may find ourselves in that mindset. We come along to church because we think, um, really what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to make amends for my sin. Um, or I might, you know, I think, I, I think I'm a Christian, but I still think what I'm trying to do this week is I'm, I've, I've done some things, and I'm going to come to church to sort of make up for it, and I hope that God's out there, and I sort of vaguely feel like maybe at some point he's going to turn around and go, you know, it wasn't enough, you didn't do enough things. And actually, he says, my son sacrificed himself, and he sat down because it was done and finished. And so if you're somebody who worries that you're sort of, the sin is just piling up and piling up, don't. Look at Jesus, who said, I did everything that was needed for you. I sat down because it was finished. Everything is complete. It's re- seeking atonement from the wrong people uh, for in the wrong way, was her quote. Sorry, I get that right. Seeking atonement from the wrong people in the wrong way. So it's really insightful that we are people who will go around looking for atonement. And... God says to us, you really don't need to go looking for it in the jungle. You just need to look to Jesus. Yeah, I hear it as well. It's, do you see? 
we are going to have a moment to reflect. I'm just going to give us a, a bit of quiet, and then our musicians will come back to, uh, through. We're going to uh, pray, um, uh, first of all, um, and then we'll, we'll gather around the Lord's table. And it's an opportunity, really, just to remember and celebrate that what Jesus has done for us was everything that was needed.